Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We continue our Lenten series, Christ Alone. The crowd is a player in Mark. It is a character and a body that Jesus interacts with. And crowds are formative, for good or for bad. But how does Christ respond and treat that crowd, even the one that cries, crucify him? You're listening to Jesus and the Crowd by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, as it has been throughout our Lenten season. This is the third sermon in our Christ Alone series. And you will know that during this series, we've been following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark as he gets closer to the cross. And we've been noticing how Jesus, yeah, Mark brings Jesus into contact with um, powers and institutions and groups of people that are common to all our lives. So things like the family and religious leaders. Next week, we'll hear about political leaders. And today, we'll hear how Jesus interacts with the crowd. And as we listen to these interactions, we'll learn something about these institutions and these groups of people in our life and how we ought to interact with them. But most importantly, we'll learn something about what it means to follow Jesus. So today, the crowd, which is a little bit of a different institution, and maybe you don't think of it as an institution, but if you read the Gospel of Mark, you go through the whole thing like I did again this week, you see that the crowd is a really important character in the Gospel. 36 times the crowd interacts with Jesus. 36 times Jesus comes into contact with the crowd, and when he does, the crowd is like an agent. The crowd does things. It moves towards him. It moves away from him. It rejoices. It rages. The crowd is a force, a character in the Gospel of Mark. And the crowd is definitely a force and a character in the story I'm about to read. Jesus is on trial. He's standing before Pilate. But it's not just Pilate and Jesus. It's Pilate, Jesus, and the crowd. Listen. Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people had requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with an insurrectionist who committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, meaning Jesus knowing that it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. So for most of the Gospel of Mark, the crowd is on Jesus' side. Most of the time in the Gospel of Mark, when you read through it, the crowd is very definitely pro-Jesus. And in fact, if you read, Jesus is the reason for the crowd. And the reason there's a crowd in the first place is because Jesus is there. 
They're all interested in Jesus. They want to hear his teachings. They want to see his miracles. They're interested in his celebrity like crowds are. So they're all coming because of Jesus. So of course they're pro-Jesus. In the beginning of the gospel, the crowd is like a, like, almost like paparazzi chasing a celebrity. The crowd is literally following Jesus everywhere. Jesus goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee on a boat. The crowd hustles around the whole sea and meets him on the other side. There's so many people to hear him preach in Capernaum one time that he can't preach on the shore. He has to get into a boat to preach from a boat so he's not smushed. And of course, his celebrity is such by the time he finally comes to Jerusalem and enters the city, who is there to greet him but the crowd who shouts, Hosanna to the son of David. So the beginning, the, the crowds are completely in love with Jesus. Towards the end of his life, that changes. The crowd turns. Jesus' popularity rating falls off a cliff. And it's not just that they're not interested in Jesus anymore. They're still very interested in him, but now the interest is completely negative. Now they want him dead. And they clamor for it. I mean, you see it in our story, right? Pilate is kind of reluctant. He says, I don't see that Jesus is guilty of anything. What causes him to change his mind? The push of the crowd, crying, crucify him. Crying all the louder, says Mark. The crowd is a character in Mark. And if that's true, if the crowd is a character, all 36 times that is presented, how would you describe this character? If you go through and look at the character of the crowd, what would we say about the crowd as a character and how it behaves? Well, a few things I've noticed. First of all, the crowd is passionate. The crowd is, is highly emotional. The crowd isn't sort of neutral or restrained. The crowd goes to extremes. It expresses itself with great emotion in Mark and in the rest of Scripture. The crowd is also influential. It moves the needle on behavior. See that in this passage, right? It changes Pilate's behavior. And last week we talked about how the religious leaders were always concerned about what the crowd thought. The crowd is influential. And finally, the crowd is changeable. It's fickle. The crowd is as changeable as the Michigan weather. One moment, it's fog, and the next moment, it's beautiful sunshine. One moment, it's sunshine, the next moment, it's a storm waiting to break over your head. And that's not just Mark's picture. If you go through the rest of Scripture and look at crowd behavior in Scripture, you see the same kind of behavior there, too. Here's a really interesting story that shows you something about crowd behavior. Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas go to Lystra to preach the gospel there on their first missionary journey. And they get up and they're preaching and then a lame man comes forward. And Paul heals the lame man, does this miracle. And the crowd goes bananas, right? The crowd goes crazy. And do you remember what they said? The gods have come down from heaven in human form. The gods have come down in human form. The gods are among us. And they call Paul Hermes, and they call Barnabas Zeus, and they're ready to make sacrifices to them. So the crowd is all for these guys, and then Paul and Barnabas say, no, 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 we're not gods, we're just regular people, don't sacrifice to us. So that disappoints them. And then on top of that disappointment, some people come from Jerusalem and say, Paul and Barnabas, they're bad guys. And almost overnight, the crowd completely changes. And the next morning, they take Paul, they seize him, they stone him half to death and drag him outside the city and leave him. From 
The gods have come down in human form to rid the earth of this man almost overnight. Crowds are emotional, they're influential, and they are fickle. They're changeable. That's scripture's portrait. If you go to social science and look what social science says about crowds, you find that social science agrees with scripture. Crowds are, are studied a lot nowadays. Uh, crowd psychology is a field that gets a lot of research dollars, and you can imagine why uh, marketers and politicians all want to influence crowds. So there's lots of money available to figure out how crowds behave. And that research has confirmed a lot of what Scripture says. Crowds, says the research, are tendentious. They're tendentious. Do you know that word, tendentious? I didn't know it until I was in seminary and Neil Plantinga used it in a lecture. And all of us in the class were looking at each other saying, what is that word? What does that even mean? And one of us who was humble raised their hand, it wasn't me, and said, uh, sir, what does that word mean? And he explained it to us. And it's the perfect word to describe a crowd. To be tendentious means uh, to have a tendency towards tendencies, meaning you tend towards extremes. It's sort of the opposite of being moderate. If you're tendentious, you always go all the way down a path. You lean heavily in some sort of direction. Crowds are tendentious. This is exactly what modern research shows. When you get people in a crowd of like-minded folk, their opinions get more radical. So for example, if you're pro-death penalty, or if you're anti-death penalty, and you get in a big crowd of people who share that opinion, and you all start talking together, research shows by the time you're done, you will hold your opinion more strongly. And it won't just be intellectual, it'll be emotional. You'll become more pro or more anti. Crowds are tendentious. They push you down a road. And that means crowds are also incredibly formative. We modern Western people like to pretend that we're individualists and nothing affects us. And so we say, oh, I don't pay attention to the crowd. I don't go along with the crowd. I'm not a conformist. I'm my own man. I don't care what people think. Research shows that that is absolute nonsense. Every single one of us is influenced by the crowd. Every single one of us is influenced by the crowds that we run in. Here's a really interesting study I read this week. In Arizona's uh, National Park, Petrified National Forest, they were having a problem because people were going through the park and as they were walking, they were picking up pieces of petrified wood and carrying them off, stealing them. So all the petrified wood was disappearing from the forest. So they decided they were going to do something about it. And they did a little social experiment. On one path, they put up a sign. And this is what the sign said. Your heritage is being vandalized every day by theft losses of petrified wood of 14 tons a year, mostly one small piece at a time. So basically a sign that said, everybody's stealing petrified wood. Please don't do that. I was on one path. On the other path, they didn't put up any sign at all. Guess which path had the most theft? The one with the sign. Why is that? Well, because in the perversity of human nature, when they realized that everybody was doing it, it gave them permission. Right? When they realized there was a crowd of people and everyone was stealing it already, they just thought, I'm going to join the crowd. We are all affected by crowds. When you drive in a foreign country, or even a foreign place, other side of the country, 
What determines how fast you go on the highways? Is it the posted speed limit? Do you look at the posted speed limit and is that what makes you decide how fast you go? Not me. If I'm in England or in Germany and I'm on, say I'm on the motorway, I look at the posted speed limit. Of course I do, but what determines? I look at how fast everyone else is going and if they're going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, believe me, I'm going to drive that fast too. And I know you're all like that. It's the crowd shapes our behavior. Because crowds are so formative, and because crowd behavior can be brutal, like it is in this story with the people yelling crucify, or in some of the riots that we see on the news where crowds get swept up and people do and say things that they would never do as individuals, and that's one thing that crowds cause, right? When people get in crowds and things start to go, you will do and say things that you would never do on your own. A crowd will give you permission to do that. And because we see that sort of negative behavior in crowds, um, a lot of the time we say crowds are bad things. Don't go along with the crowds, kids. But crowds aren't just bad, crowds are also terrific. Some of the happiest moments you've ever had in your life have been in a crowd. That basketball game in high school where your team was losing, and then they made this amazing comeback. At the last second, they made that shot, and the whole crowd went crazy. Oh, that was so good. Graduation, we all threw your hats in the air and afterwards you went out in the lawn and embraced each other and you were crying and crowd, it's great. That Easter service where church was packed and the trumpets were blowing a descant and you sang so loud that the church shook and your heart was filled with the Holy Spirit, so good. Crowds can be terrible, but crowds can also be wonderful. It all depends on what spirit is animating the crowd. So far, I've talked a lot about what crowds do and how they react, and that's interesting. But, of course, the most important question is not how the crowds react to Jesus. The most important question is how does Jesus react to the crowd? Well, how about that? How does Jesus react to the crowd of humanity with its fickleness and its emotion? those people yelling, crucify him. Mark tells us that. In Mark 6, Jesus and the disciples are exhausted. They've been healing. Jesus has been teaching. He's exhausted. He decides he's going to try to get a Sabbath. And he takes a boat across the Sea of Galilee to uh, a wilderness place, an isolated place. They're going to camp out, be away. And the crowd sees them and it follows them all the way around the lake. And so when Jesus arrives at that place, there are thousands of people waiting for him. And all those people are saying, please, Jesus, please, I need you. Do a miracle for me. Teach us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, please, please, please. How does Jesus react to this needy mass of humanity? Here's what Mark says. When Jesus saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How does Jesus see the crowd? How does Jesus see those people storming the Capitol, smashing windows? How does Jesus see those Black Lives Matter protesters in downtown Grand Rapids who burn police cars? How does Jesus see those people frothing in the mouth, shouting, crucify him, all the louder in front of him in Pilate's office. How does people, 
How does Jesus see this crowd here? Us, with our insecurities, our failures, our half-hearted faith. Jesus loves us because we are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he dies for us. Make no mistake, he hates our sin. He hates some of the things we do as a crowd. He hates the way we fight each other and come against each other. But he loves us, and he dies for us. And in his death, he creates a new crowd. Jesus transforms the crowd that he sees in front of him at the crucifixion, and by his death, he creates a new crowd. Because ultimately, the question isn't, are you part of a crowd or are you not part of a crowd? The question is, which crowd are you a part of? We're all parts of crowds, and if you want to know which crowd and who you're becoming, ask, which crowd is affecting me? Who am I moving with every single day? Who am I finding common cause with every single day? That's who you are becoming. That's what's forming tendencies in you. Do you know who Jesus' crowd is? The crowd that he's formed by his death? It's you. When you gather with this crowd every day, every week, Jesus forms his tendencies in you. Wherever two or three are gathered, there the Holy Spirit is with you. His tendencies are forming in you when you're part of his crowd. When you're part of his crowd, not his audience, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between an audience and a crowd, right? A crowd is engaged in something common, an audience is just sort of passively listening. There's a difference, you can see it. But when we're part of his crowd, his spirit moves and we are formed. And this crowd is bigger than you think. One of the hard things about COVID is that the crowds have shrunk. It looks really good this morning, by the way. But the crowds have shrunk, right? And that's discouraging. And sometimes we think, oh, it's not the same as it was. But believe me, the crowd is always bigger than you think. Because when you meet, even if there's only 20 gray hairs here on a Sunday morning, this crowd is also connected to that great crowd without number around the throne of God in Revelation 7, the crowd that no one could count. This crowd is part of what Hebrews 12 calls the great crowd of witnesses who surround us and cheer for us as we run our race, right? Hebrews 12 says, persevere in your race, run your race, fix your eyes on Jesus and his cross as you go. And as you go, you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who are beside you, cheering you on. It's like the shoot at a marathon, like one of those big marathons, like the Boston Marathon or the New York Marathon. You're running your race, you're absolutely gassed, you can barely walk another step, but you keep going because on the side there are people cheering, they're saying, come on, keep going, you can do it. Hebrews says, we are surrounded by all the saints and angels and the faithful departed, and they are cheering us on as we go. Elijah is there, and he's yelling, I know you feel alone and you're tired, but trust me, you're not alone and you can do this. Peter is there and he says, I know you've messed up and you feel like a failure and you wonder how God could use someone like you, but trust me, God uses failures. I speak from experience. Mary is there and she says, I know you feel small and that the task you've been given feels like too much for you. Don't be afraid. God's spirit can use small people to do amazing things. And maybe some of your departed family members are there. And what are they saying? Maybe they're saying, 
I know that you doubt sometimes and wonder what's going to happen. But believe me, it's all true and it's all wonderful. And of course, Jesus is there, but he's not in the crowd. He's right beside you. He's running next to you and his hand is on your back and he's saying, come on, keep going. We're almost there. I will get you home. This is our crowd. That's our food. That's our race. The cross before us, Jesus beside us, and the new Jerusalem, our home. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promises and your food and your word. Or you know that the race gets long for us and we get distracted. But we thank you that we have this crowd. That by your blood, you've created your church and that we have this community of encouragement that gets us through our losses and gets us through our worries and gets us through our diseases. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that together we are on our way home. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.